Michigan Liberation is a statewide network of people and organizations organizing to end the criminalization of black families and communities of color in Michigan. We envision a state without mass incarceration, mass policing, and punishment. We envision a state with the best public education in the nation, single-payer health care, and thriving black and brown communities. Here on the Respect the Rules podcast, we will lift up the stories and experiences of those impacted by mass incarceration, collective ties to the criminal legal system, and the frontline efforts to end mass incarceration. Nelson the Mayan, you know, you are the host of what? Crate Diggers Delight on AM 1700, Ypsilanti's premier radio destination for underground hip hop. Hey, what's up, Nelson? What's up? What's up, Marjan? Good to be here. I'm excited to take part. You know, I'm a longtime supporter of Michigan Liberation, former employee, so I'm glad to be here. I know, and I didn't even get a chance to finish. You come on on AM 1700 every Friday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You're broadcasting some of the flyest, what, fresh beats and rhymes over the airway, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. And it's like like hip-hop music, underground hip-hop music, right? Underground hip-hop, all the f- newest, all the best, all the, you know, everything you want to hear when it comes to hip-hop, especially underground, you know, the people that uh on the up and coming that you need to hear we got it all good good great and now when you're not in the station nelson it says here that you're active in the community advocating for immigrant rights restorative justice and more and you also used to be a part of the michigan liberation staff team Mm -hmm. family and you're a strong supporter that's what we like to hear phone canvassing the whole 2020 election season that was a crazy time Wow. Right. Oh, man. Oh, man. But yeah, yeah, that is what's up. And, you know, during this time, and we'll talk about it as we talk about the upcoming elections. It's it's crunch time. Oh, yeah. You know, but the, the real thing is, you know, this whole episode, we're calling it Real Talk with the Community, because one of the things I want people to understand is that um, we want people like yourself, Nelson, to come on. And this is not going to be the the last time, you know what I mean? Cause you're helping me work through all these little kinks and stuff. And that's the beauty <laughs> of being part of the Michigan liberation fam. We make mistakes, mm-hmm. Hey, whatever, but it's all good. And you know, this is new to us. We just kicked off this podcast podcast section or segment because we were finding that with all these interviews with media and uh, sitting on panels, you know, you only get so much time, you know what I'm saying, Nelson and here you're not edited. Well, at least not the, the nitty gritty part. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? So please, yeah. everybody, you got a story to tell like Nail, like me and Nelson, or you want to talk with us, make sure you contact us at media and myliberation.org. But anyway, Nelson, let's get started with the first thing at hand. And I got to put this um, this one. I'm really excited about talking about this um, particular subtopic topic. The intersections of hip hop and progressive activism. Man, when I saw when you said that to me, I was like, "Uh oh, what? Uh oh, Nelson's about to kick some knowledge or something." So, absolutely, tell me what's on your mind <laughs> as it pertains to that? Knowledge that- and truth, peace to all the gods in the earth. Um, <laughs> uh, I think you know, hip hop has always been a very strong outlet and a way uh, for 
everybody, I think especially black and brown folks, to um, you know voice their truth and speak that truth to the powers that be. Uh, you know, whether you're talking all the way back in the day to KRS-One um, or you're going, you know, now to talk current day like with the Kendrick Lamars and the J. Coles. Um, it's always been a space where people have been able to vent their frustrations and um, speak out against the injustices in the system. And I think, you know, it's there's been a lot of really nice intersections between um you know rappers and activists rappers who are activists um folks you know who uh find a lot of common ground in these spaces and it's important that we um continue to amplify that especially in the modern day landscape i think where a lot of um hip-hop become it's a lot easier now that it's so commercialized and mass-produced to kind of slip into just the very, uh, you know, regressive kind of sounds and um, lack of substance in a lot of cases. Um, But that's why we continue to amplify. And that's why I um, like to focus so much on the underground because people like to say, you know, hip hop is dead, you know, um, now it's just corny and commercial and nobody talks about anything real everybody's cap but um you know i think if you explore you know what's going on beyond just billboard top 200 you know um what's going on you know your rap caviar spotify playlist whatever um you'll find that there is still a lot of substance and a lot of folks talking real stuff um, and getting to the heart of these issues uh, while still making really good music, you know? Yeah. Now, it's funny you say all that, Nelson, because I've been hearing, because I I love music just like you do, and um, a lot of people have questioned people in the, genre of hip-hop r&b or you know it's like why are people not doing more you know what i mean like they're questioning like mm-hmm. okay why where is um like you mentioned some of the people like the people you know krs1 or where is chance the rapper where are all these people when certain issues now i know they have their own thing that they're working on and so forth but a lot of times i think we put so much pressure on our these artists to solve all the problems and issues going on in the community. No doubt. Yeah. I think, you know, that's the, um, the curse of celebrity, you know, the kind of double-edged sword is the fact that once you create a platform for yourself and, you know, are you really using it to speak on the issues? Um, everything you do is going to be scrutinized. So whether or not, you you know people think you're doing enough or you're doing the right things or saying the right things or the wrong things um you know you get the chance to speak out but that's the thing when you speak out everybody hears it so right um, right and that's deep Mm -hmm. when people are as infatuated with kind of celebrity as we are in this culture um you know you kind of expect the celebrity to be doing everything and saying everything and taking care of stuff. Um, 
and there is a certain degree I think we do need to hold folks accountable and call them out on their BS from time to time. Um, I think it's also unrealistic to say that, you know, we got to expect, you know, a celebrity or a political, you know, a rapper who is known to be conscious and political to always get it right or to always um, be at the forefront, like solving every issue. Because that's where community comes in. We got to do it together ourselves and not just wait for some celebrity or another to um, start speaking on something. Right. And it's also interesting because like the next subtopic we're going to get into is the prison industrial complex and how even that intersection of hip hop, you know, it's Mm -hmm. been kind of really kind of, I hate to say it since COVID time, like 2020 sad on how many hip hop artists have been, you know, have been killed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's a growing epidemic, man. And it's like either the, the, it seems like the road that they're going down, they're either going towards being murdered or jail or prison. Yeah. Catching a charge. You know, I, I read the, there's a, you know, kind of a statistic that always stays with me in this, uh, that I read that of all, you know, deceased hip hop artists, about 50% of them uh, died violently, you know, through murder, manslaughter, that kind of thing. And no other genre, um, you know, has to deal with that in that, to that degree. Right. Right. So it's, unfortunately, I think, you know, a byproduct in many ways of, um, or it's kind of a chicken and the egg situation almost because oftentimes hip hop has been used as a medium to kind of, for folks, especially, you know, black and brown folks and poor folks to, um, process and speak out on the violence, you know, we see in our everyday lives and, um, in our communities and as a way to try to call attention to that. But uh, over the years, this hip hop has grown and become, you know, the most, one of the most dominant forms, genres of music, like in the world. Um, you know, that has also amplified the kind of um, both the fascination with violence that has been prevalent in hip hop to the point where, um, you know, a lot of it, a lot of the stuff we talk about comes life or death, you know, all these, um, you know, rap beefs have a history of um, spreading from just being on wax to being in real life and, um, you know, taking the lives of artists who, um, you know, were gone way too soon. It happened in the 90s with Big L. Um, And, you know, we can talk about today, Nipsey Hussle or, um, shoot, there's King Von. There's way too many names at this point. um, Exactly. Exactly. Of folks that we've lost. Yes. And then, you know, as we get ready to talk about prison industrial complex, then even dealing, going, transitioning from, you know, hip hop and progressive activism, you know, you got people even from Detroit, like everybody's, you know, from 
you know, white boy Rick to, you know, <laughs> um, Big Meech, you know, yep. who's still incarcerated. But I don't know, you know, have you seen that um, series, um, TV series that 50 Cent did? I yeah. actually watched it. Stars. Um, yeah, it was pretty good. And um, I'm not sure when he's scheduled to get out, but you even have Nelson, and I would love for you to share how you played a role in, you know, just from an activist perspective and getting an opportunity to see someone get clemency, get out. You yeah. know what I mean? I, yeah, I, for sure. I remember we talked offline about that, and I would love for you to share that story. And everything yeah, I, no doubt, no doubt. So, yeah, I think, you know, there's unfortunately a lot of intersection as well with um hip-hop incarceration what you know folks dealing with it and using hip-hop as a way to get you know to process the the horrors of the system and unfortunately you know it ends up incarcerate you know incarcerating people too you know we're seeing it play out modern day everybody's afraid of catching a rico charge now um and you know the hip-hop you know has long been speaking out against the prison industrial complex and mass incarceration and the way that it affects black and brown communities um i'm always looking to you know provide that platform as well i play lots of you know good conscious music that talks about um the ways that mass incarceration has impacted uh black and brown folks and poor folks across the country um because that's, you know, an experiences that I've lived as well, uh, you know, as somebody who tries to stay active in the community, uh, you know, I used to work um, corresponding with prisoners regularly, you know, trying to help them navigate the policies of the MDLC. Mm. Um, I took an inside out course in my undergraduate, um, you know, trying to get my undergraduate degree uh, at Wayne State. Uh, shout out to the Inside Out program, um, all the good folks over at Wayne doing that work to um, kind of get people exposed and help them understand better the real impacts that it has in real life for folks. Um, and it was really, that Inside Out course was very life-changing for me, very inspirational because I found, you know, um, a classroom full of folks who had been through it and understood, you know, um, I think, you know, a lot of criticism gets leveled at um, incarcerated people and saying that, you know, they just need to take responsibility for their actions and they need to, um, you know, if you're not willing to do the crime, do the time, don't do the crime, all that kind of crap. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. Uh, but if you actually talk to folks inside, much more often than not, the, you will find that those people are on the front lines of kind of accountability. You know, you will, it is much more likely that you'll find somebody incarcerated who is going to be advocating for folks to try to take responsibility and change their lives than anybody on the outside, you know, um, and it's partially, you know, because they've had so much time to reflect, I think, but also, um, 
you know, the horrors of the system and trying, you know, teaching people like, was it really worth it? Whatever I did to end up in here, because now this system and, um, you know, has taken me away from my family, my community, um, and, you know, broken so many ties with, um, those folks that I used to have that now I understand that, uh, you know, not only was it not worth it, um, you know, whatever it was, but also, you know, now we understand that the system is broken in and of itself, you know? Right. I learned more in those conversations with lifers and, you know, folks inside than I would have ever learned from, you know, sitting in a lecture hall, listening to somebody kind of list off statistics about prison and, um, you know, the way that uh, affects our communities. And we became like a close group, you know, the, right. the group of us. Then somebody the group of students coming outside and then the folks who are in, on the inside. And, you know, one of our members even ended up, you know, one of our inside classmates uh, ended up being granted clemency wow. while um, we were, you know, taking the course together. And it was, you know, he would, we'd be getting the weekly updates about, um, how the case was going and there was a lot of apprehension, you know, within the group, like, is this gonna, you know, is our brother going to end up being freed? Is he going to be able to rejoin his family and his community? Um, after being sentenced to life for uh, a mistake he made when he was 17. Wow. Um, and, you know, very fortunately, he was, and he got clemency, and he's out now. And, you know, I've spoken with him since. It was so good seeing him out in regular clothes, you know, outside that prison jumpsuit. Um, and it, that was, it was really touching just to see him walking around um, you know, in the world, but unfortunately, you know, that's not the case for most people, you know, unfortunately my friend was one of the lucky ones and not one of the folks who, um, you know, is representative of the majority of cases where people don't get clemency or don't get right. whatever kind of relief that they're trying to apply for. Um, and it's a problem when, he is the exception rather than the rule. Wow. Wow. So, and this was all part of a class or a group and mm -hmm. and wow. And you got a chance to interact yes. with people who were actually incarcerated. Yeah. Well, we went inside, you know, we went inside and that they, is, they couldn't go anywhere. So we, we went to them, went to them. And I mean, that's real. That's real. Because even mm -hmm. doing this line of work, activism nelson and getting involved with like the criminal justice uh system and uh, uh you know ab being an abolitionist type of organization like michigan liberation it's like easy to talk but doing the work is so hard this work is hard and i can only imagine going into those facilities or the facility that you went into i mean mm -hmm. you hear about the conditions I mean, what was that like? I know you was talking about some of the people that you met, but what was like when you stepped foot into it in there? What was that like? Yeah, we we took our courses at Ryan Correctional 
in Detroit, which I think is now since that facility is now since closed, I believe. Um, and a lot of, you know, the, my classmates and the folks, the other folks inside have been scattered to the wind, but, um, we, you know, and this was just a low security facility, honestly. So Mm. it goes to show, um, you know, if this is like a low security facility, what it's like for, um, folks in, in max maximum, because, um, you know, we would go in, we had, we take everything out of our pockets, of course, and we'd go through a metal detector. Sometimes we'd go through a pat-down, uh, all that, just to go to our class. And, you know, if you think that's a hassle, you know, uh, compare that to what our inside classmates had to go through because they, you know, informed us that just to go to class and learn and better themselves – they went had to go through a full cavity search, you know, full body search, stripped down naked. Um, you know, the guards checked them all over. Uh, and, you know, it's really hard to go through something so invasive just to go to class. And, wow. you know, we're, we're talking about some older gentlemen too, you know, folks who been around the block and that it, can be a struggle to have to um, submit to something so, you know, invasive and dehumanizing every time you want to go to your weekly course. Wow. Um, And, you know, they, (laughs) the, um, the guards gave us these little like, but clicker button kind of devices as like a distress signal. Like if we ever feel like we're being threatened. Wow. Somehow like, you know, you press the button and guards will come in. Um, Did anybody click it? Did anybody? Nobody, nobody ever clicked it because we were all like on the same page that we're probably more afraid of the guards than we are (laughs) of of anybody uh, in our course. Right. You know? Dang, that is deep. That is really deep. I, I'm just amazed with that because you know Nelson. A lot of people. I commend all of you and your classmates, or for particip- the ones who weren't incarcerated, taking you know being a part of that, because there is this very negative, um, you know what I'm saying, association with yeah. people who are incarcerated. We, we we look at them almost like they're animals, um, you know. You were probably around people, like you said, who committed a crime at the age of 17 and now they're like 20, 30 years old. And you're like, you know, and then probably was you were around people who maybe went to jail for something like marijuana or or whatever, or drugs or something. Yeah. And it's like, gosh, you know, one mistake or two mistakes and, and you can it, it can cost you your life. And um since I've been doing this work, I mean, and it, and it is, it will wear you down at times because it's so, you see the injustice. And mm-hmm. and that's what leads me to our next um, thing I want to talk about, which is the, uh, the urgency of the upcoming elections. And even how that, the the prison system and, and just, oh my gosh, Nelson, the misinformation, the disinformation as it becomes, oh, as, yeah. it, as it pertains to um, people who are formerly incarcerated. You know, some people think they they don't have the right to vote. Some people don't know what to vote for. 
don't even know how to that you you know you got to register or that you can do an absentee ballot you know i mean what is your your yeah. thoughts on that y'all I'm, I'm talking to nelson he used to he's still part of the my lib family you know once absolutely you, once yeah. you join you come to my lib you always a my liber you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> but we're no talking doubt. about the urgency of the upcoming elections and we're doing this whole thing centered around real talk with the community and i mean nelson i know i thank you fifty thousand times already but thank you for coming on dealing with i'm happy to be here technical yeah. bull crap but this is real this is real talk but really i want to talk about the upcoming elections with maybe like the five minutes that we got left sure. so i know it's been time has been flowing by but we can go over a little bit that's the joy of doing podcasting <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely yeah, I think, you know, these days is this, I think this upcoming election really has illustrates a lot of fundamental differences that we're at, you know, as, as a nation, because, you know, there's at this point, a significant portion of the population. There's a lot of candidates that are running now that are refusing to even acknowledge the results of the 2020 election and refusing to say that it was a fair and free election, you know, uh, at the behest of Donald Trump, you have candidates who are pushing all these baseless fraud claims of voter fraud as a way to disenfranchise black and brown voters and, you know, make it harder for us to participate in the electoral process um and you know it just take a look at you know other states where they have like republican governors and republican legislatures like florida for instance mm -hmm. they passed a law to make it easier for felons to vote and then what do they do you know they immediately start chasing after yeah. folks who did who were trying to exercise their right to vote um and locking them up claiming yeah. that there was voter fraud um you know when the claim it's just totally baseless and they're just using it to kind of drum up support and um you know kind of strengthen their own bs claims about voter fraud and you got to be afraid because the black and brown people are coming and they're going to vote in their own people and they're going to change the whole country you know it's very fundamental the differences we've seen you know and in michigan we got a candidate running for governor tudor dixon who wants to take away women's right to choose who is um you know advocating book banning and censorship in the classroom to try to take away teachers ability to discuss with their students real topics about, you right. know, race and gender and sexuality and actual U.S. history and instead, you know, teach this kind of whitewashed, homogenized version of history that doesn't um, line up with, you know, the facts. And it's a very fundamental, you know, right. the, the choice that we have, whether or not we want to be a people who um acknowledge each other's experiences and try to learn more from each other or you know folks who want to 
shut everybody else up and say that this is, you know, my way of thinking is the only way um, we're not going to allow for the experiences of marginalized people to be heard. Um, you know, it's crazy. And if we don't participate in this upcoming election, I'm really afraid for our future. Join us next time here on part two of Real Talk with the Community on Michigan Liberation's Respect the Roots podcast. Until next time. Michigan Liberation Education Fund, C3, conducts grassroots organizing, leadership development, and civic engagement activities. Michigan Liberation C4 and Michigan Liberation Action Fund, IE, are sister organizations.